Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Trick Play Podcast. I'm Simon Jaskowski here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we will be diving into all the sports related news, rumors and drama that has been circling around the sports world in the last week. And it's safe to say we're both pretty excited to be doing so. Um, both of us have brought a little bit of experience covering sports into this, obviously both in different avenues and I'll let Caleb touch on his side. I'm a play-by-play color commentator, PA announcer. I've dipped my toes a little bit everywhere for... Um, the State Trojans, which is a Canadian college, and uh, also a little bit for Hockey Alberta, which is a local hockey, you know, local hockey company in my area. And uh, I've been trying to just dip my toes all wherever I can in the sports avenue, jumping into podcasting, because why not? And uh, yeah, and I'll let Caleb kind of cover his side of things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, less... I mean, less less so on the announcing front, more so on the writing front. Uh, spent the last year over at UBC Vancouver, uh, writing for a student paper over there, the UBC. I've mo- mostly covered sports during my time there. I took a look at kind of Vancouver sports culture, looking at um, the kind of shockwaves still resonating in the community around the Grizzlies moving, um, and then covered some Thunderbird athletics as well, covering a few football games um, and looking at that team. Um, so that's kind of the experience I bring to the table, but also a lifetime of obsessing over sports and all the different athletes and listening to podcasts just like this one. So I hope all of that experience totals up to at least a semi-confident uh, podcasting role. So. Yeah, that's the that's all we can hope for with the, on both sides. I can definitely tell you that because I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, even if we both bring a little bit of professional, semi-professional, whatever you want to call it, experience in this, still a fan podcast. We're both just here trying to have a little bit of fun in the evenings and just try and you know talk a little bit about the sports we love, the teams we love, all that. And with this podcast, obviously, well, with this episode, I mean, we'll be talking about the NBA draft. That's the big story of the week. I think that's pretty safe to say. I believe this will be going up day of so that's going to be exciting and then after that we'll be hopping into a little bit of nhl action with uh three big names in canadian teams that could potentially be on the move and obviously we've got the pretty already iconic william carlson stanley cup uh, parade speech which honestly i i'm very excited to speak about and um we've got two potential nfl stars uh potentially hooking up and maybe the later parts of their careers to maybe try and make a run at the super bowl that's been eluding both of them then we'll move into a QB battle moving happening over on the AFC, or sorry, NFC side of things and maybe what that could mean for the entire division. And uh, after that, move into a little bit of baseball, talk about the Oakland situation, potentially moving over to Vegas. And yeah, after that, I think, that, think that'll be it. I think we're ending with, yeah, yeah, I think that'll be it. But obviously, like I said, we'll start with a little bit of NBA draft op action. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously... We can start at the top. Victor Wimbanyama. You want to give me your thoughts on him, Caleb? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, there's a reason why he's been dubbed the best prospect since LeBron. Um, just looking at him, he's kind of complete physical freak of a player. Um, he's, I kind of made, made the comparison to uh, kind of create a, create a player in 2K where you see in social media, he's just like, insane monstrosities that people create with like 20 foot arms and oh yeah uh, like Duck 10 it from feet half tall 
Yeah, exactly. It's a little as close as we can get to that in real life with my Benyama. I, oh, sure. I believe he's like seven four or something, and he not only um, can play in the paint, but also has a pretty killer three point shot as well. Um, anytime you see a guy that tall able to drain shots from the beyond the three point line, uh, it's pretty insane. Um, so yeah, there's obviously a reason he's considered to be going number one. Uh, obviously it's a, anytime you have a prospect like this in any sport, you always wonder it's such a, a boomer bust type thing. Does he become someone like the next LeBron or thinking to like a football comparison? Is it more of a, can, could it turn into a Jamarcus Russell? Because it's, <laughs> it'll either be a, the start of a glorious 20 year hall of fame career, or he can, go down in history as one of the most overhyped prospects of all time. Because with a, when you give a player like Wembenyama this much hype, there's really no in-between, right? Um, they're already People are already setting the standards so high for him. Um, just a middle-of-the-road career um, wouldn't be it. So it, it's definitely one of those moments in the sports world, even as not much of a basketball fan myself, when a player like him comes around, you kind of start to take notice. Yeah, of course. And like you mentioned, even if he's just a pretty high level starter that's not enough i think everybody is expecting like you said a hall of fame level like a hall of fame level career from him wherever obviously we know he's probably going to the spurs probably isn't really a probably he's going to the spurs but i mean it really is the type of situation where like it, if he isn't exactly what the spurs have been looking for ever since they lost i mean Kawhi or tim duncan retired like that big, big, big name that's going to bring them back up to the 2000s, 90s, you know, that level of Spurs. I mean, what's the point in using your first overall pick on him, right? And I mean, obviously, he's a lot of people are talking about him like he's a sure thing, but personally, and I know I talked to Caleb a little bit about this before the podcast, I'm personally a little worried about injuries, especially when you look at anybody who's that tall, that skinny, right? Like, it's it's a tough, tough thing to look at there. With It's just... At some point, you got to think that all that height, all that weight, it's going to start mounting on the knees. And can you really make a twenty-year career out of a seven-foot-four frame? It's definitely a question, right? It's uh, for me not having the biggest insight into basketball, but just seeing a little bit of the trend of this new player who is who is the seven-foot, like lanky kind of guy who can pretty much do everything the since it's such such a new kind of prototype how successful can that prototype be in the long run right we've seen it be successful in college we've seen it be successful in um like the pro leagues in europe with Wembenyama, but can it survive the grind of an 82 game nba season plus whatever the playoffs bring and looking at players like Chad Holmgren, who's built very similarly, you're already starting to have questions, right? Because he drafted a year, drafted number two overall a year ago, hasn't played a single game for the Thunder, who in a game where they, or in a season where they outperformed expectations, having him on the roster could have put them over the edge. Is that what the, is that what the Spurs are going to be ultimately dealing with in their future? having a good team around Wembenyama, but just not having him available. Um, it's certainly a question you have to think about. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, 
the hope is that the answer is no. Obviously, like, for all we know, we could see an injury-free career. Probably, I don't want to say probably not. That feels mean. But, like, it's just so, so tough these days. I mean, you look at a guy like, for example, the big one, glaring one. He's been all over the news. We don't have to talk about it. But Zion Williams, he's been the guy, or Zion Williamson, sorry. Anyway, it's, uh, he's been the big one, obviously, with the injuries issues derailing his career a little bit. Everybody's still hoping he can hop on the horse, but obviously, I don't think anybody wants that from Wembanyama. And obviously, that the hope is that nobody's we're not going to see that. But I mean, when you're looking at a physical, just athletic freak like he is, you got to talk about it. At least in my opinion, you have to think about the. But you got to weigh the pros and cons. Obviously, the pros through the ceiling. Like this guy has the potential, has the frame, has the abilities has everything to be easily one of the greatest athletes players of all time that's what we've been talking about since honestly this guy was like 14 but it's just scary when you look at a guy seven foot four can like i said can you really expect a 20 even 15 year career out of that yeah and the the kind of to, to kind of think on that more, it's obviously a... It's the only real criticism you can give to him, right? Yeah. Because everything else is within his control. This is the one thing that it doesn't matter how good he is. If he faces injury concerns he's, um, that are significant, like if he's, in, if he's injured out for a season but otherwise plays well, it doesn't have any long-term effects, whatever. But if it's a situation like Zion where... So far, it's corrected, affected all four years of his career to where he's never played a full season. If it's that kind of thing, then it's the one thing that can degrade him as a prospect because um, just because it's the one thing that uh, his skills can't uh, account for, right? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. Obviously, I've seen a little bit on Twitter about people being scared about how he has more turnovers than assists but like how much merit can you really give anything twitter says these days so no (laughs) and personally when you're when you're putting the ball in the hand of a guy like Wembanyama, like the team he's been on i can only imagine he's getting the ball a lot when you're getting the ball that much and you're a scorer not really a playmaker you're gonna have a turnover every once in a while i mean that's just the game right that's it's just how it is i wouldn't put too much merit in that personally no, there's there's always some sort of a little bit out there draft rumor, no matter what sport it is, kind of flying around on Twitter. Like I remember, um, it always to kind of get these these prospects down or degrade them, especially when they're this high highly rated. Some sort of small nitpick about their play gets inflated. I think to football, the thing I think back to is a couple of years ago where is it people were terrified that Jamar, Jamar Chase wasn't able to catch footballs if they didn't have stripes on them. It's a kind of it's a kind of like small concern oh, where yeah, I remember um, that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's just a little bit overblown just to for for the sake of conversation, right? Yeah, of course. The only real the only real concern you'd ever have with him is the injury aspect, just because that's out of his control. Yeah, and I mean with guys like that, it's just a it's a thing that comes up, and I'm I mean obviously I'm I know I'm coming off as being a bit of a bit of a downer on that topic because i mean when i look at a guy with his frame with his 
attributes, it's hard not to talk about it, obviously. I mean, you mentioned uh, Holgram. Or, sorry. Yeah. 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 Holmgren. There we go. I, I knew I had the... That's my bad. I'm tired. Anyway. <laughs> when you mentioned him, he got hurt, obviously, in the summer league. And that was very, very unfortunate. But And nobody wants to see that from Wimbanyama. But after something like that happened only a year ago, it's got to come up. And, I mean... But obviously, that something as scary as that isn't going to impact who the Spurs are taking first overall. Yeah, I think I think for for you the que- the question has to be Simon. How much does it scare you? Does it scare if you're the GM of this of the Spurs? Does it scare you enough to consider other options? I know obviously that's not going to happen, but put control in your hands. What is the level to which you would be willing to look at other options. That's the thing with that though, because it's such a that's such a hard topic. Because I almost feel like a pick like that is like make or break for some GM careers. And just follow me when I say that, like say that. Because let's say I say no, I'm I'm not interested. Let's take Henderson, right? Let's take the athletic point guard. Injury risks are a little bit lower for that. He's got a pretty built frame. He's an athletic guy. Less injury concerns, you know, yada, yada. Could go on forever. And then when Banyama turns into the Hall of Fame career that everybody wants him to have, you're going to look like an idiot, right? That's the thing. You're going to look like the guy who passed on when Banyama, right? But you take Henderson when Banyama unfortunately gets injured and struggles with injuries his entire career. It's a bit of a different story. You're all of a sudden the the guy who saw it all coming. You're the guy who made sure to miss out on arguably the biggest bust in the history of basketball since Anthony Bennett, almost. I guess you could throw uh, it feels early to say Zion in there, but you know what I mean. Like it's it's a tough it's a tough decision to make. I think I mean, like you said, it's not gonna impact anything. They're gonna take one Banyama. You asked what I do. I'd probably take Wimbanyama, but what you gonna do, right? It's it's a very very tough situation for the for anybody, honestly. You almost don't have a choice, no, really. You really don't. So obviously, I'm sure you've heard about the big news around the NHL lately. Has mainly been guys on the block. Obviously, the Stanley Cups all done and wrapped up. We've got some pretty great drunk speeches, but other than that. It's mainly just been who's who's leaving, who's staying all over the league. And with a lot of the big Canadian teams, we're seeing a lot of that where obviously no Canadian team really made it very far in the playoffs this year. We're just trying to see who's going to make the big move, who's going to try and do something new. And we're, the three big names I'm sure you've probably heard about, Hellebuck, Hannafin, and Debrinket for Winnipeg, Calgary, and Ottawa, respectively. Those are the three big names on the move, at least right now, that most insiders are talking about. I don't know if you have any major thoughts on any of the three of them, but personally... Yeah, I mean... Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, like, for sure, any one of these players, depending on if they go to the right place, could be a game-changer, right? Yeah. Um, it's either, like, the perfect forward anyone needs for their top six to put it all together, um, the one last quality top-bearing defenseman that a team needs or a franchise goalie. But um, to kind of, I don't know where you want to start, I could talk about, I feel like Halibut is the 
probably the biggest name I'd probably out of the so. three. Although, strangely, when I've been looking all over all over the rumor wire, Hellebuck is the one that I've been seeing the least strangely. And I honestly think it's probably because when you look at these three players, he's probably going to be the one getting the most amount of money. Although, for all I know, we could obviously, Debrinket could have a crazy season wherever he goes and get a ridiculous contract. But as of right now, I feel like it's pretty safe to say that Hellebuck's probably going to get the most. Because he's been an elite goalie for pretty much a decade, I feel like. I'm not quite sure when he started, but he has been very, very solid for a long time. You could say the same thing with Hannafin. He's been a pretty solid defenseman for both Carolina and Calgary for probably, I think he was drafted in 2016, 2015. Both yeah. of them have been very, very solid. Debrinkit's obviously newer, but all three of these guys, like you said, could be real, real game changers. Yeah, I'd say that the one difference is for Halibut, because for sure, like all, all of these players have been solid for a long time, like pretty much known quantities. But the one thing for Halibut is just in terms of the position he plays, um, especially with all of these goalies getting big contracts and then just failing to live up to them. Um, you can look at Bobrovsky, who's the, the highest paid goalie right now. I think he's making like $10 million a year. Other Although, than this playoff. I think playoffs, with him, he kind of he lived up to it a little bit this playoff run. He was pretty incredible. But... Oh, yeah. But if you ask anybody before this season, he um, it was like a, this contract itself was a laughing stock. He wasn't even starting. That's um, true. Yeah. Spencer he wasn't Knight even starting. Was definitely giving him a run for his money. Yeah. Because they've they had so much goalie depth that they didn't even play their ten million dollar guy, and you can see the same thing happen in Calgary with Markstrom. Um, he fell off this year. Same thing with Jack Campbell in Edmonton. Came in um, only for like a couple games in the playoffs, and the starter was um, a rookie. Like the biggest thing with Halibut is if you're gonna sign or trade for him, it's the closest thing to a known quantity and goal that you can get. And for a lot of these teams, that's kind of what they need to get themselves over the hump. Because yeah. um, like you can you can see how good how goaltending transforms a team. Just look at Vegas, right? Oh, or yeah. e- Vegas and Florida. Aiden <laughs> Hill definitely Florida. flipped a switch this playoff run. Oh yeah, and it's that kind of like that's almost what you need to get yourself. I- I'd say goaltending is the difference in a lot of these like playoffs. Like look at Boston, they had the best goalie in all of the regular season, and then. He's playing injured and he's underperforming, and they squander one of the best, uh, the the best season in regular season history in the first round. Yeah, and you that, mentioned it makes such a difference. Oh, for sure. And you mentioned Hellbuck being like the probably the most. I'm not sure what the word you use, but the one I'll use is probably the most consistent goaltender that you could probably get this offseason. Which and with consistency, has been a big issue for a lot of goalies, obviously. But the thing with Bobrovsky is you could almost argue the same thing for him before he signed a big contract. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. could have seen the fall off coming. And even for Markstrom, arguably. Well, maybe not yeah. to the same degree. But you could very easily say that Markstrom flopping after that contract is a little bit of a shocker too. But the interesting thing with Bobrovsky and Markstrom is they're both kind of in a similar situation there where they both have two young goaltenders coming up the rankings. And arguably, if they both succeed, could be the starter next year. And both goalies are on huge contracts for like another three, four years in both their situations, I believe. I'm not sure in the Bro- mm-hmm. I'm not as fresh on Bobrovsky's, but I know for Markstrom, he's still here for still there for another four years, right? So and with Dustin Wolf and and uh, Knight respectively, is what I mean by the two young goaltenders. So that's definitely interesting. And in my opinion, is gonna probably start to almost lower the goaltending market, I think. Because I don't know how many teams are gonna be interested 
in paying Hellebuck the nine million he's asking for. In mm-hmm. in a Sportsnet article that I have pulled up, Ken Weeb says north of nine million, which is bonkers to me because I'm not sure how much Carey Price was making even at his heights, but I don't believe it was probably ten million, eleven million, right? Like it's definitely yeah. hard to I make mean, the argument that you want to pay a goaltender over ten mil. That's tough. At least he's going to get it. He's going to get it though, because wouldn't you say he? And given the play that he's had, you pay him more than Bobrovsky, right? Like it's going to be no matter where he signs, I think it's going to be a market resetting kind of contract. It's because he, other than, because who who else can you name that's been as consistently good as he had? I think it's Vasilevsky, and that's about it. Because every other goalie has had their doubts. But I think it is an um, interesting point that you bring up because it is a bit of a trend for goalies to flop as soon as they move teams which I think is really interesting and kind of speaks to how unique the position is and how important, like, the mental game yeah. is. It's almost like it's pitching. Like, I almost compare it to pitching yeah. in the MLB where, like, you see pitchers move all over the place. They'll go to, like, one place and they'll be throwing a 6.0 ERA and then they'll go back to some, another place, 2.5 or whatever, 2.7. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the same thing almost with goaltenders. It's, it's wherever they're going to be most comfortable and Obviously, defense matters. Well, I still for pitching, but defense matters a hell of a lot more, and arguably for goaltending, I'd say, because I mean, you look at. I'd argue. Well, uh, I don't know if I agree with myself. I was about to say that that could be a big reason Markstrom fell off, but I don't know. Flames. The with Flames the, still with the good. defense of the Flames. Yeah, I think they still had a pretty good defensive team. It's hard. So, yeah, I I think that was more on on Markstrom. Like he. Yeah. Like statistically, you can see he played worse this year than he did last year and i think that's the issue that that's like the big dilemma in signing halibut is a he's been one of the most consistent players um at his position probably one of only two that's been consistently good for about a decade um and considering how important goaltending is if your team needs it and you get it like think of think of think of halibut went to the leafs like how how did they i don't think they could pay him like they are in (laughs) They are like an instant cup favorite, I think. If Halibut goes to the Leafs, eh, at least to the, at least to the there, Leafs, at least the Leafs fans. There's, yeah, like there, there, there'd be. There's always doubts every year, but like if if the one thing that Toronto's missing this year is consistent present and and goal. Ed, aside from all the other unique Leafs things with how <laughs> their players yeah. who are good underperform consistently, but that's the one side of it but the other side is the track record of other goalies moving teams is so volatile and so consistently can blow up in other people's faces um think of Bobrovsky think of Markstrom think of Campbell who were considered like like especially Markstrom and Bobrovsky you're right they were considered sure things until they moved or for Markstrom even he had one good year and then it kind of fell off like do you take the chance with how volatile the position can be? It's kind of a catch-22. You really, I don't think there is a right or wrong decision. It's going to be really interesting to see what the results are. Um, I don't if he, if he flops, if he flops, it's going to be an interesting case. Like if Halibut flops, how many teams are going to be willing to take a chance on another goalie in the future? Well, that's kind of he's like a biggest sure thing. Like yeah. more, I think more so than Bobrovsky or Markstrom was. Really, if he I, thought, I agree with you on Markstrom. I don't think. I don't know if I agree on Bobrovsky because you got to realize he was probably solid for like 
he didn't he win the Vesna in twenty thirteen? Like he was solid from like twenty thirteen all the way up to when when did he go over to Columbus? Twenty twenty one? Twenty twenty two? Twenty twenty one, I think. You're gonna have to fact yeah, check But he, he was I, I'd I argue might. he was very, very good for a long time. And I don't know if Hellbuck can necessarily Hellbuck was really good for a while, but I don't know if he was that long. Gonna like I feel I, like I'm I, talking about. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like it's either just speaking, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to look at the stats too, but Bobrovsky definitely was more consistent than, than Markstrom. But Hall- oh. Hallibuck has been... Hallibuck They're a bit more comparable, dead. probably, I'd argue. Yeah, I, I, I think Bobrovsky and Hallibuck are pretty comparable. But even, even if, even like taking taking it as if, if Bobrovsky was more of a sure thing coming out, then it's just more evidence in, in favor. Because you can say Halibuck is similar. Bobrovsky, you can say, oh, it's a one-off thing. With Halibuck, it's starting... If Halibuck flops, it's starting to become a trend. Yeah, Bobrovsky started starting in 2016, 2017. Or no, sorry, I'm talking about Halibuck. My bad, my bad. Halibuck started in... he His first season was in 2015, 2016, which... Uh, God, I can't remember his name now. Oh, that's going to annoy me. But I, I can picture the goalie in my... Head who was Winnipeg starter in 2015-2016. But oh, he Andre was, Pavlik? Yes, that's his name. And um, and then he replaced Pavlik in 2016-2017. So he's been good for a long time, but that's... Like yeah, seven that's, years. But yeah, that's pretty comparable. Even, even look, look, at, look, at, look at Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky... Um, we should probably move on. He, we're getting, we're getting, we should probably move on. We still have two more players to talk about. <laughs> this is this is true. Yeah. Here, we can... I'll, <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll wrap up just given the sure. Bobrovsky comparable because it's I I, th- I think it is about the same because it's yeah. it's about seven years it's been about seven years for Halibut Columbus uh, Bobrovsky and Columbus had a run of about yeah it's it's eight, eight so yeah. it's it's pretty comparable it's pretty comparable so it'll be it'll be certainly interesting to see a where he goes and how he does I think it's and yeah of course. And moving on to the two other players we got, Noah Hannafin and Debrinkit. Well, we'll start with Hannafin. He's we'll move into the probably biggest. I'd argue probably the guy who probably gonna get the biggest paycheck at the end of the day because I mean think about how much forwards are paid these days. But yeah. uh, Hannafin, he could probably. I think there's gonna be a lot of people after Hannafin, and I think it might happen soon. I've been hearing a lot of a lot of stuff about that, which will be very interesting for the Flames and whatever team gets him. I've been hearing, oh. I've been hearing a lot of different teams, so it's hard to keep track. I thought I heard Seattle at some point. That's gonna, which would be interesting. See, him going to Seattle would be cool, but I mean, yeah, who knows? I, I certainly wouldn't be upset if he goes to Seattle. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where Hannafin is the kind of player where he's not gonna, he's not gonna like wow you, but he's not gonna be a liability either. No, he's, he's just he's just kind of that constant steady force on the blue line it feels like at least personally and to just throw out the context me and caleb are both flames fans so we're i think we both watched enough hannafin to be able to talk pretty confidently on this he's always felt like he's one season away from breaking out he's always been one of those guys you know what i mean like he's always felt like he's 26 now but the whole time we've had him it's felt like he next year he could be that guy right he could be the number one but he's just not, and he's always been like top pairing or second pairing. He's always been really, really good or really consistent, 
but he's never been elite or he's never been that like top top tier and i almost feel like with the flames history of trading people and them turning into second coming of christ i can almost see him going really wherever he goes turning into an elite defenseman right you never yeah. know right? it also depends yeah it also depends situationally too like depending on who he's paired with yeah because he the one thing of, that was good with his time in calgary is that calgary does have a solid um defense there because he was he correct me if i'm wrong but he was paired with with Tana for a while right like that was oh um, i can't remember now i think so that sounds right Tanev. i think he played a little with uh who else did he play with oh damn the, I, Anderson did he yeah maybe I don't Anderson know I think right. he I think he might have played with Anderson. Tenevin, Tenevin those Anderson, are all probably. those those are both both provide um like great compliments to Hanovan Tanev oh, yeah. with kind of the 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 veteran experience well, I mean, has been arguably <laughs> one of the best defensive defensemen for the last however many years 10 decade oh yeah How long has he been in the league oh yeah long time like he's always been he that has. guy right so you throw anybody on and then the flames have taken advantage of that where they'll throw shillington out there shillington's anybody who's yeah, watched the yeah. flames game when shillington was playing he <laughs> fly down the ice like absolutely no regard for any sort of defense he he was that guy but you didn't have to worry about it because tana was back there right and you could make mm-hmm. the argument maybe that boosted hannafin if he was playing a lot with tana you never know right yeah like, but I'd still argue Hannafin's a pretty sure thing. I think whoever gets Hannafin is going to be pretty happy. Whoever, whatever the Flames get for Hannafin is going to be a pretty big, pretty solid uh, package, I'd imagine. I've been hearing a lot of big things. Like, I could definitely yeah, see... Per, perhaps. I could see... The only... I know that the big... The only thing I'd say against that is, like, because he's a free agent in a year, how much does that dilute your return, right? Yeah, but like, it's the same thing with Debrinket, I believe, right? Isn't Debrink But Debrink it's an RFA. Debrink is an RFA. Oh, okay, that's my bad. Because that that changes things. It does because okay. um, they still have the Sens still have control over him, right? Sure. That's yeah. why that's why they were willing to give up so much in the in the first place. Yeah. Like if I'm... we if we want to start talking about Debrink too, I think that's sure an yeah. interesting comparable. Well, too, as it's... a very biased Flames fan, Debrink for Hanfin would be just great, but uh, that's not gonna happen because. But yeah, it would be nice. But again, there's like the leverage part of it too. Sure. Hannafin, yeah. there's a lot. If there. you he, he could play out another year in the Flames, and then you could get him for nothing. Oof. Yeah, like he's to bring to bring it. You have complete control, barring an offer sheet, which never happens. Although right? I've been, I don't know how much there is behind this, but I swear I was hearing rumors about to bring it potentially not wanting to be in Canada. I thought that was something that was starting to be spread around. I don't remember. I could see that. Sure of a thing that is. So again, take that with a grain of salt. I but no, I I could I could understand that because otherwise, why would I don't under I don't even understand why Ottawa's looking to trade him because it, it it wasn't even like a year ago at this point that they got him and he would was looking to be the piece that kind of brought it all together for Ottawa. Yeah, now sure. that didn't really happen. But Ottawa is still such a young team with so much potential that I don't really understand why you would want to trade away to break it unless there's something else going on that we don't know about. Like he's unhappy with the situation, whether that be um, location, coach, teammates, who knows, right? Yeah. And Debrinkit's obviously, he's a very, very skilled playmaker, and we've seen that 
especially shown in his time with the Blackhawks and or Blackhawks Ottawa both sides and he I think he did he have his best year this year or was it was it a down year I don't remember I'm not too sure uh, I think he was pretty solid I like, can I can I can check that I, th- yeah. I think it was I don't think it was anything crazy no um yeah he he had it was a bit of a a bit of a down year compared to last year this year he had 66 points um obviously not not bad and no, last year, seven seventy-eight in Chicago. Yeah, well, that makes sense playing with guys like Kane. Yeah. I don't necessarily yeah. dis to Brinkett for that. Kane's gonna Kane. No, it's it's this is true, this is true. Although the other the the other thing, looking at it, I, obviously plus, it's plus minus to so take it with a giant <laughs> grain of salt because it's kind of the dumbest stat of all time. But it is sure. like. Enough of a drop off to be concerned where he's negative thirty one. Oh, really? Uh, oh, I kind of want to yeah. pick up a stat sheet now. That's interesting. Yeah, it's when because uh, yeah, I mean, you put it on like taking a salt, but when it's 10. that low, you know. Yeah, that, that's what I said. Like if I'm if I'm seeing a little bit of a drop off, I'm I can sure. brush it off. And but ne- like it's a drop of like negative twenty from the previous year, which is already lower than what his career average was. All right. Well. Let's try and wrap this up a little bit. Who do you think is going to be the most valuable to like a certain team? And where do you think that person's going to end up going? If you were to just throw out a random bold prediction, I don't know how much attention you've been paying to all the rumors on that, but who, who do you think would be the most valuable to whatever team? Kind of, uh, kind of a I still, open I, question, but yeah, I still think it's how think so? there's, it's a bit of a boomer bust because there's potential you can flame out. But if he lives up to even like 60, 70% of his potential, then that can take a team to. 60, 70% cut. of Hellbuck is probably still top 10 in the league. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, yeah, that, that's what I'd say. Like, obviously, Debrinket and Hannafin can make make a difference. But, like, they think, think of Hannafin, think, thinking of both of them, they, I, they, they still had pretty good teams behind them and couldn't elevate. True. If you yeah. put Halibut in a better situation, then I think well, you're going to see... I'd argue Winnipeg's always been a pretty good defensive team, like for the most part. They've had a couple of years where they were kind of flimsy, but he's he's. I think he's proven that he can play. He plays well whether or not he has an elite defensive core in front of him. He's definitely proven yeah. that. I yeah. personally, no, I, think so. I definitely agree with you on that. I think it's probably going to be Halibut because, I mean, you even made the point about um let's say money isn't real and he somehow ends up on toronto like you said like that team ends up being pretty insane right you gotta because yeah hellebuck with a defensive because toronto's got pretty good defense they've all i mean i don't have to tell you about their elite forward core but that team they look pretty unstoppable there that looks yeah that'll be yeah i I could I, i i don't know where i think he'd go He's a tough no, guy to kind I, of pin down. He is. He is because it's pretty restrictive in which teams can afford him. Yeah. And I think there's also the fact that obviously he wants to go to an elite team, but what elite team is going to have the cap room to pay him $10 million? It's a good question. That's that's or definitely like, something to look into. You know what would honestly be... I can't. I can't imagine like like I'd have to look up cap numbers. But I'm I'm waiting for like just, outlandish. Yeah, like 
I'm not even I'm not even thinking too outlandish. Just just like if he wants to go to an elite team, maybe not. But there's certain up and coming teams, right? That this could push them to be a like consistent contender. I'm thinking Buffalo. I'm thinking Ooh. Ottawa. Oh, like that'd be interesting. Him on Ottawa, you think? I can see. Ottawa, I can see actually, because that is definitely a team where I don't know. Again, I haven't watched a lot of Ottawa Senators games. Admittingly, I apologize, but um, <laughs> I can definitely say. Uh, I feel like yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting seeing him in on Ottawa because they've had some elite goaltenders over the years. I mean, at least elite playoff goaltenders. When I think of a guy who elevates in the playoffs, I definitely think Craig Anderson. I don't know. If, I mean, he's oh, he yeah. was pretty he was pretty good in the twenty tens. But I mean, you oh, throw yeah. you throw him another guy like that, like Hellebuck in the playoffs. Oh, that'd be tough. And I mean, oh, you yeah. mentioned I'm what think- was the other team you mentioned there? Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. I believe who do they have? They have a young goaltender. De- they have Devin Levi coming right, up the side. Right. Yeah. Which is again, you start you open up the Bobrovsky and Markstrom thing again. Where do you really want to play pay a goalie that much if you have a guy coming up the tank? And obviously, you can argue goaltending prospects kind of go, you know, they're kind of flimsy. It's kind of like you never know with them, right? I mean, you could even personally, again, as a flame, very very biased Flames fan on this topic, I think that Wolf is going to be insane. But even then you got to think about it cautiously because you've, we've seen goaltenders look absolutely incredible and then turn into garbage, right? Like that's a, that's not a yeah. very uncommon thing in this league. So you gotta, you gotta think whether you'd rather have a, a very strong veteran goaltender who you can probably get another, let's say, I'm, I think Hellbuck's in his thirties now. He's say probably another two, three elite years out of, right. Or, do you risk it and try and run it with a prospect? And that's the situation that I think a team like Buffalo would probably be looking at, right? Mm-hmm. Is it now or yeah, there's a, yeah, and I think I'm, I'll I'll kind of wrap it up more by just just throwing a couple other teams out there. Um, and all the issue is with some of these more elite teams is that cap space is tight, right? Yeah. Um, but ooh, there's there's one spot that I'm looking at that would have the space to sign him that I think would be probably the best spot he could go. But throwing some other names out there, the Red Wings have the fourth highest cap space Ooh. in the league. The Devils have the fifth. Um, the Kraken are seventh. In my um, head, when I was thinking, team. you mentioned young teams. I was kind of thinking Kraken. That'd be an interesting pick. Yeah. Yeah. You have to deal with, like, do you – I think Grubar already has a pretty big contract. You have to True. figure out to, yeah. what to do with that, but you might be able to figure that out. The number one team that just looking at cap space that I would consider would be Carolina. Ooh. Who do they have? They've kind of... They have they have, Ander, they have Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta. Not, that... not the best... Yeah, goalie for serviceable. Yeah, it works. Like it's obviously worked for them, but uh, but I think Carolina has continually been that team that just needs one thing to get over the hump, right? They've been they've been swept in how many ever straight Eastern Conference Finals? Don't you think Halibut would that would be be the one to push them to the finals? If he goes there, they got got twenty twenty four million, twenty four million cap space. You know what? Yeah, like I would not be surprised if out of nowhere we just start seeing Carolina rumors. In my head, after you pointed that out, I could definitely see that for sure. Yeah. Did you hear William Carlson's speech? Like at the I did. Parade? Yeah. It's I pretty did. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
exactly what the speed exactly what uh stanley cup winner's speech should be it, yeah i agree i think if, it, if it's not drunk and just absolutely making complete nonsense dunking on every team you beat that year what's the point yeah <laughs> and the number one requirement is that you cannot have a shirt all great winning speeches need to be sure you got to be showing no, off the beer gut you developed in the last 24 hours you gotta yeah it's gotta and i mean it, with his that was so good <laughs> like obviously I, mean, yeah. I didn't get to watch it live i don't think i don't know how many people would have been watching that but who knows maybe i'm wrong but uh i can only imagine the spectacle it was on live tv then trying to bleep out all the the like we beat the the we were pretty effing great like oh so good <laughs> that the uh, the if you're a tv station airing any sort of like championship rally the people it. on the center button sensor buttons have got to be sweating that's got to oh, be the hardest day of their year <laughs> yeah i can probably imagine and I mean, with hockey, I mean, I can say I've been in a hockey locker room for most of my life. We certainly aren't afraid to throw out, you know, <laughs> throw out a, a couple fun words. And I mean, I mean, when you're, when the players are drunk, just won the biggest championship there is to win. You can let them throw out a couple yep. fun ones, you know, it gets hard to get mad at Carlson for letting a couple fly. I mean, although the Arizona diss had me out of my seat a little bit, because that was, that was fun. Because I mean... Arizona is such an interesting thing this year with, or for the last couple of years with them potentially moving. And I mean, they're the easy team to pick on and I don't blame them for him that. And I mean, the wholesome March or so stuff like, oh, that's a great Stanley cup speech. You can't get much better than that. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's gotta, it's gotta be up there with not only just Stanley cup speeches, but just, just champ championship parade <laughs> moments in general. Right. Oh, for sure. Like there's I'm, a lot of them. I can, like there's a lot of them that just come to mind, but that's definitely up there for me now. Like, uh, oh yeah. I mean, it feels like there's always that one thing every year. I mean, last year was kind of, uh, who was it? All of a sudden, I can't remember the player, but there was a player who uh, I think left the parade for a second or left the left the car, ran down, and then tried to get back on and was actually stopped by security. <laughs> and he had to tell them that oh, he was yeah. on the team. I don't remember what player it was anymore. There's there's always one moment like that yeah. like no matter what sport it is like like thinking the football like Tom Brady like tossing the oh, yeah. Super Bowl <laughs> the Lombardi spiking it or no that was yeah Kelsey. From, like boat to boat yeah, Kel yeah. Kelsey Gronk spiked it yeah people That's thought Mahomes took a selfie with a fan with the trophy and then gave the trophy to the fan <laughs> like there's uh, always something yeah. and that's that's what's so great that's what's winning a championship brings to a city i think is it really does just bring the entire community together and just allows you to celebrate for a minute like what an incredible occasion especially i mean you look at teams that are really hockey cities i'd argue colorado that's a big one vegas we saw them get pretty crazy for their team this year like it's always great to see that oh yeah oh yeah for sure especially in hockey when most of the players are pretty restrained all year kind of the typical there's a reason the people make fun of the yeah the stock answers that yeah. you hear in every interview i think of like the the zach hyman clip from yeah. in COVID yeah. where he just kind of started giving like the <laughs> regular answers before gene prince had even started talking oh, yeah that's um, one of my favorite clips i, I, I can i can fully oh, I, I was thinking the same thing in my head like i love that clip so much 
Yeah, like st stuff like that makes makes moments like this even better because you know how restrained they have to be throughout. And the best the part is season. the second the next season starts, Carlson's going to go right back to that, and you know it. Oh like, yeah, this isn't a sign oh, yeah. of anything because that's how it is. That's hockey players as a whole. Like you really don't get to see the personality yeah. of the players until you win it all, and you get to see them just throw it all out there. And it's great. I love to see it. Yeah, because they got nothing left to lose at that point. Oh god, no. <laughs> they made their money. Yep. <laughs> All right. I don't know how much you've been following the the NFL offseason so far. I've been trying to stick my head in every once in a while just to see what their the big rumor of the day is. And uh, the big one that's come up this week, I think, or one of the biggest, obviously, there's always something. But Cook and Hopkins potentially teaming up. Both of them are obviously, they both just got released by their teams. I think that'd be a really interesting one because that'll just instantly light up a, light up whatever offense they go to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean... It's certainly an interesting possibility. Probably not realistic. <laughs> I feel like we're playing Madden at that depends. point, but yeah, yeah, where you kind of create your your dream team. It's un unrealistic in terms of um, a team that would have the cap space to afford them both, yeah. and in terms of them both being relatively older, um, being potentially not as valuable as they used to be more so with Hopkins than, than Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah, I, I I'd, would love to see it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's particularly possible. Um, thinking there, there, that's the other thing too, is there is a reason that um, both of those teams let them go. Yeah. Uh, particularly for Dalvin Cook. Thinking about all the other teams in the NFL, of course, this has been a big conversation across the league for the past couple of years is how much value does a top running back like Dalvin cook even have? Yeah. Um, Cause Dalvin cook is a good runner, a great running back, but can you get 80, 70% of what Dalvin cook is with a fourth round pick? And especially for teams that are high in cap space and are probably rebuilding. Do you want to take that kind of a risk? And I'd say probably not which is where it gets interesting on, in terms of where he goes and how much money he gets. Hopkins is a little bit different because of the position that he plays again. People are going to be willing to pay more for a top-end receiver. Um, yeah, but, again, how much? definitely how seen much? that, too, and, with like how much wide receivers are getting paid these days. You think of like guys like Tyree Kill, he got a huge contract, right? Like There's just guys who are just getting massive deals. I don't know if Hopkins is going to get that. Because you, like you mentioned, his value diminished. He's... But you, he, I could still easily see him making over ten mil. That's not a question. And I, yeah, Cook, Cook, I feel like could be interesting. I don't know what he's going to sign for. That might be, that'll be interesting for sure. It depends how much teams value their running backs and also the age, because yeah. running back is a position that degrades over time. For sure. Um, when you're running that that fast at a two hundred fifty pound linebackers, that just tends to happen. <laughs> yeah, and. Which is why I don't think they're going to get on the same team. Because if you think about it this way, which teams would be in the market for veteran players like Dalvin Cook or DeAndre Hopkins at this point in the career for the um, cap that they're going to have? It's going to be contenders that are one piece away. They need a running back that will put them over the edge, sign Dalvin Cook. You need a receiver, um, like I instantly think just like ravens need a receiver to put them over the edge it's, the other team i've been hearing as of late that 
I've heard Aldo at the same time. I've also heard unrealistic, but just imagine the chaos. Buffalo Bills for Hopkins. That'd be an interesting one. At least personally, imagine Diggs I, and Hopkins. <laughs> now that'd be pretty crazy. But I it's obviously not as it's not as absurd as you might think. Not as absurd as you might think. You don't think so? The Bills have almost six million in cap space. That could it, you can because you can always. That's the thing with um, football is if you have a good enough GM, the salary cap doesn't really exist. You can <laughs> push, money push, is push all the money into the last year. You can put it all in a signing bonus. Like there's ways you can invest in crypto. Kind of there's tons of ways out. you can do it. Like exactly. Yeah, and but exactly. obviously your point of a team looking for that one more piece. I can tell you that the Bills aren't looking for two more pieces, right? They're not going to go out and sign yeah. Cook as well. That doesn't make sense. They'll especially the, the Bills' philosophy, right? No. They're not they're a not running a team, team. And they never when they when they want to pick up ten rushing yards, they're not going to hand off the ball. They're going to let Josh Allen do it himself. And I mean, yeah. I'd hate to blame. I don't blame him for that at all. Josh Allen could put his head down. So I I don't see yeah. them in my wildest dreams picking up both. But Hopkins and Diggs. I tune into a lot of Sundays. <laughs> That'd be a fun team. Yeah. No, it's it that that's exactly it because it's it's those teams like the Bills that are gonna need that one more piece are just gonna need are just gonna a be able to afford the one and just gonna want the one. There's no. not a lot of teams that would want both. You can run through quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the one the one interesting one I feel like is the team with most cap space in the league, uh, which would be the Bears. Ooh. I the only think about issue that. there is. The only issue there is obviously is they're not quite a contender yet. They don't have, they've got a good quarterback. They have some interesting pieces around him, but even adding Cook and Hopkins, you're probably not going to be a contender at that point. Yeah. But it's the only kind of team where both needs are there. They have the money because you go down the list uh, of teams in the most cap space. Cardinals obviously not. That's where Hopkins came from. No. Panthers probably probably not. You're going to want to build around Bryce during a couple more years. Colts, they even more so. No, that seems no, like not happening. <laughs> they got the they Jets, got Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, the Jets is intriguing, but I don't think they'd be willing to take a chance on Cook. They've got Bright, they've got Brees Hall in the backfield. They already have a ton of receivers. And um, with how high Rodgers is on uh, Garrett Wilson, do you think Rodgers would be willing to throw a guy in front of him on that lineup, or if he wants to try and give Wilson the chance to? Kind of spread his wings and fly uh, a little bit. I'm sure he would. Like, it's not if you get a DeAndre Hopkins, you don't complain. I guess, that's but true. at the same time, if you're Joe Douglas in the front office of the Jets, are you looking at Hopkins and saying this will make our team markably better than it is already? Because I don't know if you've been perusing the the Jets depth chart as of recently, <laughs> but know, let me let me just I can't say I have. <laughs> can't say you have. I can't uh, say let I me have. Just re- let me just read off like some of these receivers they sure. have. Um, they've got Garrison Wilson, right? Yeah. They also have McCole Hardman. They have That's Alan sure. Lazard. They have yeah. Corey Davis. They have Denzel Mims, who is gone under the radar, but is has the potential to be a good player. And then you have the Aaron Rodgers pick, Randall Cobb, who, while I don't think he's good uh, <laughs> at this point in his career, he's gonna he's gonna get playing well, time. Locker room, yeah. Well, I mean. And I'm just going to point That's this out. Right when I think about how many wide receivers are usually going to be on the field, it's going to be four or three, three or four, you know, in that range, right? Normally. Mm-hmm. 
You named are you, yeah. six. <laughs> are you? Are yeah? Because who's on the cutting? Who's on the cutting room? So you let's say you get Hopkins. So let's yeah. Wilson. And you even and, you pointed out Cobb's going to get playing time because he's Aaron Rodgers' bestie. They like to go for ice cream cones and all that after the game. You know, like the whole thing. The whole, yeah. He's he's gonna he's he's there. He's there to stay. But, Automatically, you're looking at three more starting spots if you want to look at it right there. Right, Garrett Wilson, already, obviously. That's the big one, right? That's the big guy. That's your star. Throw Hopkins in there. You got Lazard back there. You have Corey Davis. You have you mentioned Mims. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of depth that you don't need. Like that's too much. You're already, yeah. You're already as you are right now, sitting one of either Corey Davis, Randall Cobb, or Denzel Mims. Yeah. And there's and very that's not going to happen. Cobb's and, isn't going to get Cobb isn't going to get sat. Did he mention Lazard there? Because I think that's another guy. Aaron Rodgers' bestie. They go for ice cream. That's not happening. Feel like yeah. Corey Davis might be, you know, taking the short straw on that one. Even though I'd yeah, argue he's probably the best one. <laughs> yes, I think he is the best one. And also, given how much money you paid him, that the Jets paid him in free agency, do you want to have him kind of rotting on your bench? Probably I don't not. think so. Probably not. So that's going to be Better an interesting situation for him. That money, yes. So ways that the debt that money, and I can keep going down the list for with sure. all of these, and just yeah. finding reasons why one or the other doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing with this. It's so, it's kind, it's so out there, right? It's almost like, I don't know. It's almost like making an argument, and this is a bit different. But like you, I'm going to bring it back to hockey. That's my safe space. But like you look at maybe like the idea of like. I don't even know, like at this point in their career, Ovi and Crosby, right? Ovechkin and Crosby. Imagine if, but let's say we're throwing, we're throwing everything on the table. Both are, both are, you know, both are free agents. Is there, do you really think, even if they said they wanted to team up, do you think any team in their right mind would actually do that? No, because no. it's universally in almost any sport, I'd argue, except baseball. Baseball is the one exception to that. But I think that in any of the four North, major North American sports, football, basketball, well, basketball, actually. That's the, that's a basketball and baseball, I guess. You can put them together. Besties can play together in those two sports. But uh, hockey and football, a little tougher. Yeah. And that doesn't even, like, even the, the, the hockey example doesn't, there's not as much of a stigma around, like, positional value, right? Oh, it's not as much to be like, not as much like the running, uh, the value of a running back. Not, isn't really it's, it is different. Yeah, right. it is, I agree. It is. I, I was kind of thinking more payment wise, but you're right on that. Because I, in my eyes, going down the wrong road. They can be, in terms yeah. of how replaceable they can be. For sure. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you on there. And I mean, so let's wrap this up. Cook and Hopkins teaming mean, up. Is it going to happen? No, probably not. I'll, wrap, I'll, I'll, can I wrap up with just one? Uh, it's obviously, as you said, not going to happen. Can I, I'll, I'll throw out a Madden dream type scenario to just, to just ponder upon. Okay. That is, I'm excited. Possible. Uh, picture this DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. They have 13, $14 million in cap space theoretically possible i'll just leave it at that oh that, that's kind of 
that that's kind of that's skip kind of the just, season <laughs> 16 or 17 yeah. and 0 sorry right to the super bowl it's over don't even yep. play let the oh, yeah. practice team play that week who cares <laughs> wouldn't yep. even matter oh yeah that's not happening. Yeah, i mean <laughs> that's kind of the gist of this conversation right it's yeah. a it's a we haven't played a meaningfully meaningful football game since february it's a fun little thing to think about but in the end it's not welcome welcome to football talk in june yeah yeah we're playing madden at this point more than we're watching football so <laughs> so like i said i've been hopping in and out of the nfl offseason all all year really and really only paying attention to the stories that i found interesting that's kind of just how i follow most sports off seasons for the most part and the thing that stuck out to me, and I mentioned to the, you, this to you before we started the podcast, was Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask for the starting job over in Tampa. That, it's such an interesting idea to me because they're both neither, I'd almost argue neither are really starting caliber, but yet they're being thrust into a job that they're replacing the GOATs, right? You got to realize that. So it's, for me, I personally, I've been kind of keeping an eye on it. I'm, Whoever starts week one, that's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Oh yeah. It's a, uh, it's an easy thing to laugh about. Cause it's, you see the clips on, on Twitter or whatever of them missing their targets by however many yards. And I'm not the biggest Kyle Trask fan of all time. It's uh, I think even as he was, he was picked a little early in the draft. I know this is kind of their, I don't know if this is their game plan to have him sit behind Brady for a year, but he was never the kind of quarterback that I would see as a starter. I, to me, he's the kind of guy who goes in if your starter gets injured. He can manage your offense, perhaps. Um, <laughs> but he's not a, he's not a, not a starting quarterback. He's... Um, just at, went at, out. At just went out. Did anybody think Brady was going to be a starter? It's true. It's true. <laughs> that that but argument can, obviously can, can only that's that's throwing. Uh, yeah, that's you, a, can, you can you can you can kind of pick out that there, right? Be like, yeah. Then anybody <laughs> think Russell Wilson is going to be a starter? Did anyone think um, Tra- or not? Or Tom Brady is going to be a starter? But then you can. It's all the guys you don't remember, right? That were yeah, drafted in the sure. second, third, fourth round. And Kyle, Kyle Trask doesn't have at least. Brady is the one exception, as he is with yeah, most things. At least, like, with Russell Wilson, it's always, like, he has the skills, but it's one glaring flaw. It's, like, these kind of prospects, even to a lesser extent. It's think, the, Mahomes, it's John, the guys John that... Valley. Yeah, and it's the guy you hear as being kind of the sit for a year, then maybe we'll think about yeah. it kind of guys. I mean, you, you're hearing that a lot. For example, Anthony Richardson, he's the guy that everybody's talking about being either going to be incredible or the biggest bust ever. Right, like he's yeah. that's the big thing with him. I mean, yeah, I'll let you pick that up there. But oh yeah, and there there's a reason that guys like Richardson are going higher and higher in the draft because it, it was it was guys like Mahomes and Allen who were kind of sitting in like the like ten tenth overall to like mid teens kind of picks, and now Richardson's going as high as like I believe it was five to the Colts. And yeah. um, it's because you're trying to you're, you're seeing teams value these more physical attributes um, a little bit more. And so Kyle Trask drafted in 2020. There's a reason he wasn't drafted in the first round. Um, there's a reason he fell to the end of the second. It's He's not a 
traits kind of guy who you're going to look at um, as kind of a boomer bust. He has a ceiling um, that's very low. He can be a quarterback that, if everything else goes right, can win a few games, but otherwise, like, he's not going to elevate you anything beyond that. And uh, it's funny, at this point in his career, I could almost say the same about Baker Mayfield. However, he does have a little bit of the um, clutch gene in him that um, that yeah. still revives from time to time. Think of the Rams game against the uh, Raiders, I believe, where he, I believe it was the Raiders, where yeah, he, I think that's right. on, on, Monday, on Monday night, where he came back and it was like, he, he looked like he was at the peak of his career again. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm more, I'm more a lot of times of a... during that L.A. run, he looked very, very solid. But there's also a lot of times during that L.A. run where he kind of, you know, looked like Baker Mayfield. So. Yeah. I do think that as a collective NFL society, I think we've given up on Baker Mayfield a little bit too early. Um, Maybe. Because think, think about where we were two years ago where he was the savior of a Browns organization that had been the laughing stock of the league for like 10 years. Yeah. He was the one to get into the playoffs and win a game. And don't you forget that they almost beat the chiefs. It came down to a miracle Chad Henney 20 yard run, right? It's, it's crazy to think how far we've come. And the reason yeah. that he's fallen so far is because of the injury that he chose to play through. And I think that diluted his own stock almost, right? Um, so do we really know what Baker Mayfield is like? Has he really fully recovered from that injury? And does he have a higher ceiling than people are giving him credit for? That's why I, in this quarterback battle, I'm I'm taking Mayfield any day of the week because at least he... And I think most people are. I think that's... Go. We obviously, we can ramp up and build the stories about Kyle Trask versus Baker Mayfield, but it's... It's it's kind of it's a hard thing to even call a battle in my opinion. It's you know because sure Kyle Trask he had a pretty good college career right that's he or at least a pretty good decent one right but can you yeah. even argue that a good college career is even comparable to a decent NFL run because you can if you if you're trying to call Baker Mayfield's NFL run bad like you just pointed out he definitely had his highs right yeah. I mean. It's it's not really comparable. It's definitely Baker is definitely the guy with more of a resume. He's probably more skilled and arguably more physically. He's got all he's got all of it, right? He's the full package. It's just whether he can turn that into a real into real success. That's what we're gonna have to see. Yes, and also along those lines, it's what are the Bucks looking for? Because we can obviously say Baker is the best, the better quarterback. But the, the only reason you'd start tracks is if you have a young team and you want to see what you have. That's not what the Bucks are. They're only a few years removed from winning the Super Bowl, and they still have a good core around them. Because think about who these guys are throwing to. They're still throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? There's sure. still a good team around them. Um, so that's why I think Baker Mayfield is the better option. And I think the other thing to consider and the interesting comparison to make as, uh, as a Seahawks fan is the Geno Smith-Drew Locke competition last year because we were hearing this we were hearing the exact same things i know there was a some sort of analyst last year who was just like ripping the seahawks to shred saying it's the most like embarrassing quarterback battle in the history of the sport or something and the funny thing is i i obviously opened it by almost saying the same thing about this one right i mean who knows with i mean you're putting that out there i could end up looking like that guy right who knows Mm -hmm. you never know yeah, it's such a it's such an interesting thing because it can fluctuate so much from year to year. And 
that Gino was not given the opportunity after a couple of bad years with the Jets. Is it the same thing with Baker Mayfield? Right? It's it's impossible to say because Gino feels like such an outlier. Yeah. But the comparisons, like, between these situations at least, are kind of easy to draw, right? And you could also make the argument that Gino's was almost more of a ability to build the... Everybody liked Gino even when he was a backup. And he was on that team for a lot of years before taking the mantle, right? I, I feel yeah. like almost, and you could tell that he's such a skilled leader and he was able to really build that locker room around him and really bring them all together around the abilities that he may not have shown, but he wanted to show, right? C- can you really mm. make the argument that in one offseason, Baker Mayfield is able to build that mentality in this Bucks locker room? That's the interesting to me and the reason I have a hard time comparing them. I feel like that's yeah. kind of, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. In terms of personality, I think, yeah, no, it's not the same. But in terms of playing situation, purely based on skill, I think it is very similar. Um, in terms of you start off your career, um, even Baker, Baker had even even better career, better, like, if you were to, to compare the careers of Baker Mayfield and Geno Smith before Geno um, had his breakout year last year, you would say Baker Mayfield was the overall better career quarterback. Um, but it's the same kind of thing where to have a start to your career and then things things go south. Gino gets benched, Baker gets hurt, he tries to play through it, gets benched, gets um, traded to Carolina, plays awful there. But then it's the same kind of thing where you're given another opportunity in a team that is a little bit better of a culture, right? Because you make the point about Gino facilitating that locker room culture with I think the good thing about the box is that they already have a winning culture there, right? They already have. I definitely was not thinking that. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you mean there. They already have. They already have that. Who players who know how to win? Like there is a there 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 will be a Brady after effect. Um, True, but are, do you think those that... players are necessarily thinking right now that they are going to win with Baker? Er, like, are, er, do you think they're bought in? Every team has to be. At this point in the year, okay. do you think? Yeah, that people, I, I, like, yeah. like you, you can make that same argument about the Seahawks last year. Nobody thought they would be good, but you know there's what? always yeah, I, see I guess there's that was kind of that was kind of a bold statement, but yeah, I definitely see what you mean. Like you can't, uh, as an NFL, like that's kind of gets into another argument, right? Of do NFL teams ever really tank? Like I don't, the GMs <laughs> can by cutting your players, but the yeah. players aren't going to give up on the team. This is their jobs, their life, this is their passion. They're not going to. One bad year in the NFL, and you could be in the CFL <laughs> the next one. So yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's such a next guy up mentality that um, you need to take advantage of the opportunities that you're given. And so, whatever quarterback the Buccaneers have, the rest of the team is going to try their best to support him. So it's going to be an inter- an interesting year, given how stark the contrast is between the situation that they've been in as a perennial Super Bowl contender to feeling a little bit like a laughing stock right as of right now. Yeah. So ending it off, you're the Bucks head coach. You're watching all of this, you're watching all the tape, you're watching them both miss throws by five yards. And you are looking at who's gonna be your starter in week one. Who are you going with? Mayfield. Yeah. It's easily yeah. Mayfield. I mean even asking the question I I mean I was here for the last ten minutes, I know. But I I just wanted to throw it out there. Let's finish it off. Mayfield's the guy to go with. That's the that's the way that I think it's. I mean, if you want to win, right? Kyle Trask is younger. 
you could argue maybe who knows, right? I mean, I can definitely say you look at a guy like Purdy throwing him out there. You definitely didn't think that he definitely had any of the physicals to pull it off, and he pulled it off, right? Yeah. You never know what a young quarterback can do when you give him the right pieces. But I mean, you know, we've been compared that comparison. We're comparing him to Purdy. We're comparing to Gino. That's two guys who. That's two. You're. That's tough, right? That's two people who you can't necessarily compare, right? Because they're so yeah. such a rare situation. Yeah. No, it'll it'll definitely be interesting because that, like, the examples of Purdy and Gino are definitely the peak of what they can be. Um, it's hard to come up with an example for the floor of what they can be because that is so often forgettable, right? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to be a three and fourteen five season that we yeah. sweep. Baker's the floor is Baker. Yeah. 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 And simple as that. I pose I, I pose one last uh, question to kind of finish it off. So I don't think players would tank. However, you have um, one of the better quarterback prospects in the last few years, Sands, um, Trevor Lawrence, um, uh, coming up in Caleb Williams. Do Ooh. you do you start Kyle Trask if you're a GM of the Bucks. Do you start Kyle Trask, ride this year out, hope to get a low pick, maybe I uh, think see if you can trade up for the number one pick if you don't finish there. And I think then that all comes back right back to where you are. Yeah, I think that all comes back around to how bought in you are on Baker Mayfield, right? Like, do you think the all the people in Tampa are thinking this guy was the first overall pick? All he needs is a good system, good good, you know, atmosphere, good, like all these things that Tampa provides and he can turn it around. Or are you thinking that this guy's going to come in for a year, lead you to like, you know, be mediocre, eight and eight at best. You mentioned three or sorry, eight and nine at best. I'm still living in a 16 game season and three and 14 at worst. Or are you thinking like, are you thinking that you want Caleb Williams? That's kind of what I'm questioning back. Oh yeah, I think it's just it's just difficult, right? Because it's no, there's no guarantees. But yeah. if I'm a if I'm a Bucks fan, the best case scenario for me is to do terrible this year, get the first overall pick, draft Caleb Williams, and then be an instant Super Bowl contender again. Any other way, you're not gonna like. I, I who knows? Free agency trades happen. Sure, but that's the surest fire way to maintaining. Um, to like open that championship window up even more because I think Caleb Williams will be special, not just because I share his name. And I, <laughs> and I don't think you're alone in that opinion either. Yeah, he, there, there's a reason that uh, I, I know. I was listening to um, another uh, football podcast, uh, Bootleg Football. They were talking about um, who's the player, Jordan, Jordan Addison, I believe, at USC. Um, they go to going to USC's pro day. Caleb Williams is there to kind of help Addison, who is now drafted by the Vikings. Um, and even though Williams not el- eligible this year, about half the scouts are watching him. People yeah, know what's for sure. The yeah, and you always see that with those big prospects in any sport. You always see them being scouted heavily, even if it's not the draft year. I mean, I could yeah. name a list of, you know what I mean? Like that's that's a common thing. Oh yeah. So I don't know how much you've been paying attention to the MLB season this year. I've been trying to jump in and out every once in a while. I'm not necessarily the biggest MLB fan, but I like to watch a game probably once a week. And 
something, a story that immediately stuck out to me is Rob Manfred taking a shot at the Oakland A's fans who did a bit of a reverse boycott in the last week where, funnily enough, they showed up to a game, which you would not think would be, well, I guess that's the entire idea of a reverse boycott. But it's just an interesting little strategy there. I mean, obviously they're not happy with Oakland potentially leaving and obviously that potentially there is kind of disappearing with as we get closer to it being a bit more of a possibility but uh them losing another team to Las Vegas that's got to suck yeah it definitely does and it's uh <laughs> the, the the comment he made it's uh the I, I have it here it's uh he said it's great to see what is this year almost an average MLB crowd in the facility for one night that's a great thing uh it's very very dismissive and almost, uh, yeah it feels like he's putting the nail in the coffin almost it's not yeah. compare it to gary bettman and the coyotes where he's pulling <laughs> out all this stuff to try and save them and yeah uh, and with manfred it's a very uh dismissive moving on this is happening um kind of nothing you can do to stop it type move which is is quite um disappointing for the fans um considering the teams that they've lost in the last few years they had um the warriors move across the bay i believe into yep. san facility in san francisco yep. they've obviously lost the raiders and now they're losing the a's so yeah. all of all of the pro sports in in oakland are there no more there's obviously the nhl i I'd, I'd talk about the oakland golden <laughs> seals but i think they probably healed from that we can at this we point. can leave that uh, one in the past i think yeah, they're not. Yeah, too, think, they're not crying think, about that one anymore. No, I think I think the heartbreak is kind of worn off in that one. But but the rest of them, that's in like a five year span. Yeah, um, yeah, that's rough. That's a really rough situation there. I mean, with the the funny thing is like obviously we saw Warriors and Raiders leave first. I'd argue that probably the A's are the one that makes the most sense in the fact that like if we if they hadn't just lost the Warriors and the A's or sorry and the Raiders. I feel like this wouldn't be a controversial opinion, in my opinion. I feel like we no. would I feel like it wouldn't be as shocking anyway. Or it still isn't no. shocking. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be as hard. There, yeah. There's been talk of of the A's moving for I can remember it being brought up as like yeah. like five, six years ago. They've oh, sure. never had the type of crowds that you would need. And I mean it's a it's a little bit more difficult than the MLB because I think it's a that's also an MLB wide problem. Um, yeah. which I think is kind of what the fans are are getting at, right? It, with the whole reverse boycott situation, it is to show that if the money was put into the team, if the team was good, if they weren't, I don't know, last time I checked, they were like 20 <laughs> wins and like 60 losses. If yeah, they, they haven't been pretty good the last two years, that's for sure. No. The point kind of being the, with them, showing up to game is like the fan support is here um you you still have the fans we're just not going because it's such a dreadful product on the field um and it kind of gets into more of the bigger issue in the mlb the lack of a salary cap of how can yeah. you ever have a small market like oakland survive um yeah and that's and definitely it, it, a big it, issue with that with that sort of thing i mean obviously you pointed out from the fan standpoint it's heartbreaking I mean, what do you even do as an Oakland fan anymore? Like, do you, are you just a Vegas fan? Yeah. Or do you move across the Bay, become a Giants fan? Oh, 
maybe. I feel like that might be tough. That might be no, tough. because it's tough to switch teams, right? Like I, you got to put yourself in the shoes. Like this, that the Seahawks ever moved? Could I ever bring myself to cheer <laughs> to be, uh... for Seahawks if they weren't in Seattle? Yeah, like I think it'd be tough, and I don't even live in the city, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it a... definitely would be. Yeah, I definitely see what you mean. I mean, for me, my big team is the Flames. If the Flames left, I don't know what I'd do. Truthfully, like that's a that's a tough situation. And I mean, you've obviously been with the arena talks for the Flames. That's definitely been a conversation. But I mean, mm-hmm. let's say the Flames go to Quebec. That's a that's a tough team to cheer for now, right? I mean. Personally, yeah. I'm a I'm a hometown guy. I like to cheer for my hometown team. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's tough, especially when you know that it's uh it's not like in Arizona. Like I I I like to compare it to the Coyotes because it's the yeah. of the four major sports of the other franchise receiving these kind of talks. But the Coyotes, it feels it, yes, it's an ownership issue, and yes, they've been awful, but it does like the fan support also hasn't been there. With sure. Oakland, yeah. like the fan support hasn't been there, but it's a much bigger thing in baseball to say, um, you have this owner who's cutting costs and like you don't have the same money to sign the players. They literally made a movie about this, right? This is, yeah, the, sure. the entire concept of Moneyball is is the A's are, and it is the A's in the movie, right? The A's are playing yeah. a, almost a different sport than teams like the Yankees. To For the A's to be good, it requires so much more effort and scouting um, than any of the other teams in the MLB. So that's part of what is kind of the salt in the wound here. Yeah. So not only having your team move, but knowing that it's almost a systemic problem that you can't even really do anything about. For sure. And I mean, you, you want to, you mentioned like, obviously the money problem, that's big as heartbreaking as it is for Oakland fans. I mean, Think about Oakland now going to Las Vegas. Las Vegas, you're going to have the money, right? Like, at least in my head, I'm thinking that. Like, all of a sudden, I mean, same ownership. That's still a problem. But when you've got a team in Las Vegas, at least you'd think there'd be more fans going in, right? Like, you got to think that Las Ve- everybody in Las Vegas is going to be excited to have a baseball team. So, who knows? There's an upside yeah. there. But... Yeah, no, you'd, you you would think so. And you'd, and you'd hope you'd... Potentially hope so. It is it is kind of a thing. Um, just thinking about uh, I, I, another comparison I make is to like the Supersonics in basketball, where yeah. it seems, yeah, it seems like you have one. an owner and an owner determined to move the franchise of the city. That was what it was with Clay Bennett and the and the Supersonics. He was from Oklahoma City. He was determined to move yeah. in Oakland. Um, like. Re- reading more on the situation, it was the A's had a decent team. Um, they made the playoffs as early as 2020, um, but then they got torn down. Uh, they have the lowest payroll in baseball. Um, they've re- ever since then they've raised ticket prices without improving fan experience and are now using their poor attendance numbers to justify their decision. It's uh, it's kind of the thing where it's almost like it's a problem you create for yourself as the owner, just because you want the new shiny home in Las Vegas. That's yeah. another part that's difficult about it. Well, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. There's no, there's no way to put it that is going to make it better for Oakland fans. That's the end of the day. There's no, I could not 
if you if you told Oakland fans right now that the upside to this was that they were going to get a prime Babe Ruth on their team in Vegas, they probably would still wouldn't do it. Like that's the truth, right? Like it's there's no upside to this for them. Yeah. Hi. Thanks so much for watching, and uh, I just wanted to quickly say that uh, in me and Caleb's infinite brilliance, we completely forgot to record an outro. <laughs> This is, I, this is, I just finished editing it, so I'm very tired, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. I wanted to put something at the end here for anybody who made it this far. Thank you so much. It really does mean a lot, and uh, make sure to check us out on any other platform, no matter where you're watching or listening this. There's always more versions. <laughs> Trust me, I know I had, I edited all of them, and uh, I'll be throwing some stuff up on TikTok, some of the clips and any stuff like that, so make sure to check us out there. I'll all the platforms will have the same name. And um, I think that's it. I think that's all I have to say. So uh, yeah, make sure to tune in next week. It'll probably be going up on a Friday. I think the only reason we did a Thursday this week was because I wanted to get it out in time for the NBA draft. and uh, Or we both did, sorry. And um, yeah, I mean, next week we don't have any sort of requirements like that. So probably on a Friday. So expect it then and see you around. Thanks for watching.